0: Welcome back to United Planet Radio. I'm your host, Charlie Leitner. Today we have with us Dahlia Ziada. Dahlia is currently the director of the Liberal Democracy Institute of Egypt, which she founded back in 2014. She is also an exemplary advocate of social activism and fighting against violent extremism in both Egypt and the Middle East. In the past years, she has become a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee of Egypt's National Council for Women, and she received her Master's in International Relations from Tufts University. Welcome, Dahlia.
1: Thank you, Charlie,
0: for having me. Um, so, let's just dive right into it. Um, so, can you give us some insight on your background, um, how you got to where you are, what kind of inspired you to take the road you've taken, uh, and that sort of thing? Yeah, uh, so actually I uh,
1: live in I've been born in Cairo and I'm still living here since I was born. I travel often, but this is my base. I keep going back to my nest here. Um, I, uh, I always wanted to be a writer, to be actually a novelist, but uh, life did not help me achieve this goal, so uh, somehow I was taken in a completely different direction from a relatively young age which is uh, the direction of defending human rights and uh, uh, helping people to realize their rights, especially vulnerable groups like women and uh, marginalized religious groups. Uh, like for example, in Egypt, uh, Coptic Christians um, and, and other religions who have been marginalized for, uh, for so long. Uh, so it all started when I was 18 old uh, my family used to have this practice of uh, FGM female genital mutilation and uh, uh, unfortunately I was forced to be uh, put under this procedure or this operation in a very young age like eight years old and since then I made a decision somehow of course I was too young to make a decision but I made a decision like I will never allow any other girl in my family to have uh, the same fate or go through the same operation. And this is how my work as a woman, woman's rights activist started. So I started inside my family. Then when I joined university later uh, in the first year of college, we, uh, me and other colleagues uh, in, in university, we made uh, a campaign uh, all over Egypt to uh, fight against MGM and, and call for other women Rights, and then this campaign helped me uh, to uh, know about uh, NGOs working for women's rights and the human rights, and thus I decided this should be my career. This 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 should be the thing I, I do for for life, for living, you know. Yeah. So I I, I went there uh, uh, just immediately after graduation. I worked as a journalist for for. A you for about two two years maximum and then actually i did not find it appealing like i don't want to write about people doing things i want to be the person doing the thing and people write about it Mm -hmm. so uh, so actually i decided no i'll go to the doer side and be doing things and so i went back to this career of humorist and i decided like it it should be my job, not just something I volunteer for or the cause I believe, and but it should be the job I do.
0: That's remarkable. Um, and
1: you. did you study
0: journalism um, in your undergrad and and make the switch after you spent two years writing, or were you kind of teetering the line between writing and activism while, while you were in undergrad? Yeah,
1: actually. I, I studied two majors. One of them was journalism, and the other was uh, the main major was literature, English literature. So, uh, because I wanted to be like you know an novelist, a uh, playwright, uh, and I thought the the closest thing to it is to be a journalist first. But then things changed later on.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, well, I was doing a little research on you before we began. Um, I noticed that I I thought your thesis that you wrote for your master's was quite interesting the topic at least especially because it was such a on such a recent event Um, and to give people just a little insight uh, Dahlia's thesis was titled uh, on civil civil military relations in nonviolent conflict with a focus on Egypt during the 2011 revolution Um, I was wondering if you'd be interested in maybe summing that up. I know it was a thesis and it was probably unbelievably long and well done, but if you could give some insight on um, the conclusions you found while writing it.
1: Yeah, actually uh, I was I was focusing on how the military or the role of the military and its relationship to the people played a, a very important role in defining the result of the revolution. Not only in Egypt, but even comparing this to other Arab countries around us who has gone through the Arab Spring. When the military makes the decision to side with the people against the dictator or the oppressive uh, regime, usually it turns out to uh, a positive result, which of course, I mean, also a, a positive immediate result, like uh, the revolution was succeeding, and the dictator falls down. But what happens later on, of course, is different, but at least at this situation, when the military, uh, the, the thesis was about how, to, how the people should, uh, how, how, how the activists, the nonviolent activists who lead the revolutions, uh, should make one of their priorities to attract the military to their side mm-hmm. so they avoid uh, negative consequences later on because it usually leads to the result they want. Because this is one of, uh, not one actually, it's the strongest tailor of support that uh, the dictator depends on. Usually, is the military. Mm-hmm. So if you fail to attract the military to your side as an activist, uh, you would fail the whole nonviolent war.
0: Hmm. Wow, that's very interesting. And what have been some methods, some successful methods to go about um, peacefully? demonstrating and acquiring the help from, uh, the military.
1: Yeah, actually it's, um, uh, you know, usually people believe that non-violent conflict is about, uh, people being peaceful, but in fact it is a war, it's a conflict, but it's, it does not include physical harm. So the higher you, uh, uh, as an activist or any party involved in this conflict, actually, uh, Non-violent, not to practice violence in any way. Even when you are, when you have violence practiced on you, when you respond with non-violence, usually it forces the other side to be non-violent too. I remember I was actually in Tahrir Square in 2011, and I remember that day when they said, "Okay, the police left." And uh, by the way, the police was very oppressive. They went and, and I, I mentioned this in my thesis too. Mm -hmm. somebody actually we don't know who this person is now. this thing was people and the military are one hand, people and the army are one hand and then people after him kept repeating this after him and thus we ended up being friends with the military whom we thought was going to kill us Mm -hmm. I think this was more effective much much more effective than uh, maybe in 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 physical conflict with the military or saying, Oh, we don't want you, go back to your dictator or whatever. But this helped the military to take the stance on the side of uh, the revolutionists or the activists and uh, make their decision later on to let down the dictator and keep on the side of the people.
0: Right.
1: Wow. and, and by the way, nonviolent conflict uh this this method is uh, or actually people studying this they call it paradox of repression when when uh, military and police the armed forces in general uh, who represent the dictator or are considered uh, main pillars for the dictator when they use uh, violence when they use repression in, in a very aggressive way and a massive way actually it, it backfires on them it deflects, it, it makes them weaker, not stronger. Mm-hmm. Provided that the activists at home, they are trying to oppress, commit to nonviolent, uh, to remaining nonviolent. So actually this is a theory that, that we have seen happening in practice, paradox of, of repression in Egypt case.
0: Wow. Um, and now let's kind of shift and talk about you starting... The company that you're directing um so you started that in 2014 yeah. you were also before that you were also working um as an executive director um can you kind of take us through that transition um how'd you how'd you how'd you get the funds or whatever you needed to start up this institute um in egypt
1: yeah so actually uh, i uh I worked with them for about seven years uh, until the year 2012, when I had to go back to Egypt okay. uh, and uh, I'd like to settle in Egypt. Uh, and actually, um, we were faced by a very bad reality at that time. Uh, which is the government Uh, there were no government at that time it was immediately after the revolution and there were huge attacks on NGOs especially foreign NGOs or American and European NGOs working in Egypt and of course the office of the American Islamic Congress which was So we closed the office, and I moved to working with uh, Ibn Khaldun Center okay. for Democratic Studies. It's one of the oldest uh, uh, NGOs or think tanks working on uh, democratization in the Middle East. They have been in, in work since 1980, uh, 85 or 83, something like that. So they are they are almost my age, you know. So uh, actually... I. Um, I I worked there as an executive director, it was fun, we did a lot of great things like monitoring the first presidential elections, uh, um, uh, even making the first index in Egypt to measure progress, uh, democratic progress from dictatorship to liberal democratization, but then something happened which is the Muslim Brotherhood coming to power, Mm -hmm. and for me this was a huge shock, Of course, okay, I support the fact that they came to power through elections, and I respect that, but we had to, we felt at that time that we had to make some kind of popular impeachment because they were leading the country to a completely different direction, very far away from the liberal democracy we wanted to have. And by liberal democracy, I mean to guarantee basic rights, not just voting. In-in- in- I'm using the correct term here.
0: Right, like, so, a, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, like making a, another revolution. And in 2003, we did that, but of course, this led to some kind of fraction or conflict between me and my chairman at, uh, at the Ibn Khaldun Center, because he had, like, uh, close ties with uh, Qatar, and Qatar is a strong supporter to the Muslim Brotherhood. So, you know, these regional issues intervened, even in my own job. So, uh, so I had to resign. And soon after, uh, I launched the, the, the uh, Liberal Democracy Institute of Egypt to do two things. First, to make sure that we keep fighting against terrorism and against extremism, of course, but at the same time, don't lose the battle for liberal democracy in the process. Because some people justify it sometimes that okay to achieve liberal democracy, uh, sorry to to be more secure, to achieve security, we have to forget about human rights, we have to forget about liberal democracy. We don't we don't we don't we should not worry about this now, but rather focus on security and fighting terrorism. But no, actually, if you do not achieve liberal democracy, you will never get rid of extremism and get rid of of these misconceptions of uh, people abusing Islam to uh, justify uh, doing terrorist acts and so on. So this is the main goal of, of the center and the main, the main passion. Of course, it was very difficult at the beginning to have funding, but uh, as you, you know, uh, some friends, some businessmen here in Egypt who really believed in, in what I was doing, Uh, help it with the startup funds and then uh, later on we are from time to time we're trying to make sure uh, that we uh, we uh, apply for different organizations to get money for certain projects and that's it and we're doing fine since then
0: great and what what have you found to be the most difficult um circumstances or difficult uh projects or um just what are the difficulties that you often find in the in the field that you're in? Uh, in, in, in work, you mean? Yeah, uh, just yeah, just trying to promote the company and its message. Uh, I'm sure yeah. there's there's you you, you find conflict um, quite often. Yeah, so you what know,
1: we are uh, actually the Liberal Democracy Institute is a think tank, and we are registered as an NGO. So one of the challenges we are facing is the same challenge all NGOs in Egypt are facing now, is that actually it's more, I believe it's not not only governmental, because at least the government has now issued uh, the law that governs the relationship between uh, the NGOs and the government. It's not not being applied yet, but at least there is a law. Right. people how people are looking at the NGO community now and and human rights activists in general is not positive at all the people because of the media that has been distorting our image for so long like calling us spies or having uh, uh, relationships with foreign governments and so this means we are bad people and you know these similar crazy accusations uh, that 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 has nothing to do with the truth yeah this somehow distorted our image among the public so one of the biggest challenges actually is to show the public that we are still the good people who has gone through all the difficult times with them uh since the revolution and before the revolution and now like to regain the, the trust of the people and then to organize the relationship between the NGO's and the government, the NGO community or civil society and the government uh, based on new law. But this is also a bit, a bit challenging because uh, although the government has issued the law, it's not uh, being applied yet.
0: And how recently was the, the, the law implemented?
1: Excuse me, I didn't get, uh, get the question.
0: How, how recently was that law to help support NGOs implemented?
1: Oh uh, yeah, actually, it's not supporting NGO. It's like uh, governing the relationship between the NGO and the, and the government. It's like defining the relationship between NGOs and the government. Okay. Uh, it was issued in two thousand and seventeen. Okay. After debates that has been going on for so many years, but uh, then the bylaw, the executive bylaw, which will allow us to apply the law, uh, is not issued yet.
0: Okay. So fairly recent. Um. And how oh, big? Yeah. How big is the? Uh, how big is the think tank?
1: How how big is the think tank? Yes. Is the Liberal Democracy Institute. Yeah, actually, uh, we are uh, about twenty people. Okay. We have uh, uh, yeah, we have um, uh, twelve like basic staff, and the others are interns and uh, volunteers.
0: And does the staff kind of fluctuate as the years go, or is it mostly a central group that kind of stays the same for a while, or how does that operation work?
1: Uh, no, they are mostly mostly researchers. Okay. Uh, and uh, because most of the work we are doing uh, is research work, uh, so they are mostly researchers and we have program managers who do like uh, programs, uh, activities like trainings, organizing events, and things like that. And of course, the administrative staff, like secretary and uh, and uh, uh, office boy, you know, this this uh, this stuff, like administrative staff, right. research staff, and uh, uh, researchers.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. And uh, what advice can you give to uh, the younger generation?
1: Uh, never. Uh, actually, it's something that um I always believe. Then and I always remember uh, when I go through tough times and I've been given this uh, on my graduation from Fletcher School, Tufts University a few years ago and it's, uh, uh, it's it says never, never, never give up. It's actually, I still have this paper in my wallet, I'm telling you how, so it's, it's all about yeah, whenever whenever you feel like you are losing, you cannot uh, do something. Just remember to never give up. Keep going because going back means losing more. Mm-hmm. So, so I believe I believe like to continue to keep going on to believe in yourself to think big about yourself is all what you need to keep uh, going on and never giving up.
0: And now, what is Egypt like today? How are things going? Are things moving in the right direction?
1: You know, in certain things it's going to the, into the right direction, but in most things it's still we're still stumbling, especially in the economic uh, in the economic uh, status. We're having so many difficulties. Some of them are related to uh, uh, some decisions from the government. That did not work well through the past years. And some of them had to do with uh, the fact that we were having a parallel economy going on, what has been going on for some 40 or 30 years. And to control this parallel economy uh, is, is very difficult now, and people are resisting, of course. So, part of it, I think, most of our problems is in the economic part. Now, security is, is much higher than uh, or, or security rate is much higher than the rest of the region uh, especially the Arab Spring countries um, like things are happening on a daily routine or business is happening on a daily routine as usual um, but regarding also democratization we're having some difficulties but I think we're at least we are progressing Mm-hmm. Not as fast as we thought we should be, but at least we are taking a few steps forward every now and then, which is will eventually lead us to uh, what uh, our goal of liberal democracy, which uh, actually a big challenge also, which needs us to never, never give up.
0: Right. And for my final question that we always like to ask our guests, uh, what would be three things that you would like to see to create a more united planet?
1: Hmm, very good question. Uh, Well, the first thing is to see people believing that we all belong to the same human family. Mm -hmm. Uh, All these religious, race, and ethnic divisions should really disappear. Uh, The second thing is, uh, is to use the internet in a more viable way. Internet actually is an excellent platform for the whole planet to be united. So I think we need to find more creative ways to use the internet, as a me- especially social media, as a means not to uh, divide us more over trivial things, but to uh, unite us. We need more creative people to find ways to use the internet, uh, for us to use the internet to, to connect us more and more in a, in a positive way, in a way that uh, benefits our planet and uh, the third thing the third thing i think um i think it's it's liberal democracy it's liberal democracy the more we believe that we uh, as you are this will eventually uh, lead to a more united planet united on the right things on the right things to do
0: thank you so much dahlia it was a pleasure talking to you um hopefully we get to meet in person someday um and thank keep you. up keep doing what you've been doing and stay in touch
1: thank you thanks so much charlie it has been uh, so good to speak
0: with you thanks so
1: much
0: thanks again uh, thanks. bye
1: Bye-bye. bye